night of worship and uh, praise God, yeah. We um, love doing that just because it's time we just take everything aside and focus on the Lord and uh, lift His name up and offer thanksgiving and praise to Him. And for me, uh, a blood-bought child of God, uh, just, just, just knowing that uh, I did not deserve, none of us deserved anything that He's given to us, that's good. Uh, the only thing we deserve was judgment, and yet he took that upon himself on the cross and gives us eternal life when we entrust our life to him. And to me, someone who has been forgiven of so much, uh, Brother Tony was sharing it this morning in Luke chapter 7, the, the woman that poured out the ointment on his feet and, and tears pouring down, and, and uh, the Pharisees stood by and uh, judged her for her offering. And, and uh, just thinking about that thought, when we come together, anytime we get an opportunity to gather together to worship God, uh, it's something that, that we benefit from. And sometimes I think we approach it like we're, we're God's getting something, you know, like God, God okay, God, I'm, I'm giving you my Sunday. I'm giving you my Sunday morning. Uh, and, and it's like we get to, to be in the presence of God together. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we remember this amazing uh, truth that we are operating in God's grace. We are operating in God's mercy. And we should be running to Him. We should, every opportunity, be running to Him. And so this morning, again, just a, an awesome opportunity uh, to do that. I'm thankful that you're here. Thankful that uh, if you're a guest, you're here with us. We hope that uh, your time here is a blessing. If you got any questions, please let us know. In a welcome center over here, you can stop by. And uh, we want to give you a gift if you're a first time uh, guest. Uh, the other thing, uh, that I will say is I'm excited about next week. Uh, you see signs all over our stage. Uh, these are our yard signs, and I want to encourage you. Uh, you can stop by the Welcome Center, and, and we are uh, doing a, a purchase uh, on these, just an investment to say, you know, it's an easy way to invite people in my area, my neighborhood, uh, to come to Easter service and hear what the Lord's done. So I encourage you to do that. And you say, man, I, I would love to do that. I just don't have the money to do that. Just let us know, and we'll, we'll make sure that that happens. Uh, we don't want anybody to not be able to do it uh, because of, uh, of finances. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 8. And um, we're going to continue on in this day just praying about what God wanted us to do. Should we uh, preach Palm Sunday? And, and uh, we, we, many of you know what that is when uh, Jesus, as it was foretold, uh, rode into Jerusalem on the, uh, the donkey. And um, he was lauded as the uh, coming king and they put down palm branches to welcome him and they they sang hosanna and and uh, they were they were doing all those things and that began uh, his passion week you know the, the week that would lead up to his um his illegal trial his false accusations his betrayal and uh, of course we know what uh, happened from there and again i want to i want to encourage you to be here next week as we look at uh, the death and resurrection of jesus christ and um, kind of a, a step back from our study. You know, we've been going along in the first church, and uh, there's been uh, months past uh, since, uh, you know, Jesus rose from the dead, and uh, we don't know exactly how long at this point in time we can estimate, but uh, we've, we've gone through this study. Let, next week we'll, we'll jump back and, and look at that. But last week we were challenged with the way that Stephen, uh, this faithful servant in the first church, finished his race on earth, and something that was hopefully uh, an encourage, uh, encouragement and also a challenge to us because uh, we see the way that Stephen finished his life, 
And hopefully that should be, that, that's something that we are striving for. And I want to finish my life like that. I want to finish my life going out. You know, I, if, if God gave us, you know, the, the heads up, hey, you've got, you've got five days to live, you've got ten days to live, uh, you know, where does your mind go? I, I, I know I've, I've kind of mentioned that years, years back, but where does your mind go if, if the Lord told you very clearly you've got a week to live? What would you, what, where does your mind go? Does it go, oh man, I, I want to go eat all my favorite places. I want to go you know, try, try to get to some of the places that, to travel that I, I, uh, I, I haven't been or I love. I, I want to uh, just go empty my bank account and spend all the, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, where does your mind go? And uh, not that there would be anything wrong with enjoying the, the blessings that God has given us on this earth, but my, my, my hope and prayer would be like all of us, including me, would be, oh no, there's a lot of people that I haven't pled with about their eternal salvation. This may be my last opportunity on earth. I may not get any more opportunities. And so maybe I will invite them to my favorite restaurant and, uh, and, and go eat and, and share the gospel with them. Or I wonder if, if, our, if our minds would even go there at all about sharing the gospel, about finishing strong and saying, you know what, I, I don't care about anything on this earth. I, I want to have my family with me. I want to be worshiping God. And I want to be sharing the gospel with every single creature I come in contact with. And uh, again, I, I, uh, I don't know where our minds would go, but it's a good thought. Stephen finished his life sharing the gospel, not hoarding it up. And um, again, I, I, I hope that we strive for that or striving for that, finishing our life. Sharing the gospel, not hoarding it up. So let's pray, and we'll jump right back into this. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you again for all that you do. Lord, we thank you for the time that we've had already to, to worship you in song, and uh, even this weekend um, with the night of worship, and as we enter into this week of, of thought and reflection on what you did on our behalf, uh, this week of Passover where uh, for hundreds and, and thousands of years the uh, the nation of Israel, the Jews, have understood it to be your, your hand providing salvation uh, through the Exodus. And God, you all along was pointing to Jesus Christ, our Passover, uh, the Lamb uh, that was slain and ordained to be so before the foundation of the world. God, we are so thankful that you love us like that, that you gave the priceless gift of your Son for our sins. Lord, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to gather here as your people, uh, that we would not only do what we're doing now, not forsake the assembling, but God, we would press into you and we'd seek your face. God, that you would stir our hearts, that you'd do something in us this morning through your word, through your spirit, uh, that only you can do, and that we walk out of this place uh, more eager, more passionate, revived to be your people in this world. And uh, Lord, help us to press in now. And I pray again that there's somebody here that is lost or watching online, that um, they would understand that you have done these things for them. You've died in their place. You sent your son to shed innocent blood, just as uh, the song was, was saying. Uh, you, you defeated the enemy on the cross. And uh, we're so thankful for that, Lord. But you rose from the grave, and you give us eternal life. If there's someone who's never trusted you with that truth and surrender their life to you pray that they would do so today we ask pray all this in jesus name amen
Acts chapter 8 verse 1, last week we looked at this a little bit where it said, now Saul was consenting to his death. And I just want to kind of point out what that literally means is that Saul completely agreed with killing him. That, that's what that means. Saul, I mean, you read that verse and you're like, oh, Saul was okay with that. Saul was consenting to his death. But uh, the Greek structure, the, 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 the meaning of that statement means that Saul completely, wholeheartedly agreed with killing him. And the reason why uh, consenting to his death seems a little bit softer than murdering him um, is because, again, the context of our day and time. But again, that Greek word literally means to murder. And I think that's the best interpretation out of some of the other words that it means uh, in our context. Remember, they were furious. They were, the, the, the word was, was that they were, were stirred up. They were, they were gnashing on him with their teeth. They were gnashing their teeth. They were furious, and so they killed him. They, they directed that fury towards Stephen and murdered him. Now, we have to understand that while Stephen was the one that was murdered, he was the vessel, he was the messenger it was directed at the gospel. It was the message that upset them. It was the message that they were the sinners, that they had, had, had been the reason why Jesus was crucified. They were the ones that nailed him to the cross. They were the offenders. They were the sinners. And again, that message is what made them furious. And, and again, we have to understand there is the same thing that goes on today. You see certain types of persecution and sadly, um, some of our brothers and sisters face gruesome deaths around the world for being Christians. Uh, it's, it's most of the time censored, but sometimes you can, you can see those things, what happened to some of our brothers and sisters around the world, from torture to behead, uh, beheadings. That goes on still today. And while those, those men and women are the vessels, the enemy and those inspired by the enemy are stirred up by the message. And the message points to, specifically, of course, Jesus Christ. And that's why when Stephen died, it didn't end. That's why still today persecution goes on. It's not that Stephen and, and, and men like him uh, are, are still alive and, and dying over and over. We know that's not the case. The Bible says, it continues to say in chapter 8, it says at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now think about this. We've already seen they've grown by thousands. The Lord has not only added to the church, but they have, the church has been multiplied. There are, uh, Acts chapter 5, we saw the, uh, the weeding out of those who weren't completely all in, those who were going to lie to the Holy Spirit, those who were of a divisive spirit, Ananias and Sapphira. They were struck down immediately when they lied to the Holy Spirit. And so then we see a problem arise in chapter 6. The church, because of the unity they had, because the, 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 the fact they were all together and had all things common, they solved this problem, followed the leadership, and the church, again, continued to thrive. The Word of God continued to increase. And then we see among the deacons this man, Stephen, rise up and is faithful in preaching the gospel. And as he's faithful preaching the gospel, we see his, his martyr. We see his, his murder, his death. Say, man, finally. Get rid, of that, get rid of that message. No, 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 the enemy doesn't stop there. It continues on, and it says a great persecution came against the church at Jerusalem. And look what happens. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So what happens is the church essentially is, is, is fragmented. It's scattered. 
The apostles stay there, face the severe persecution that's coming against the church. Some of them eventually would, would move on. But uh, the church members themselves are scattered. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But it says, when this was going on, there were devout men that carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. His great leader, great faithful servant, great uh, gospel, uh, you know, uh, proclaimer, if you'll, preacher. But as for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, I just want to throw this out there, and please do not take this as gospel truth, but just as a reality check for us in our, in our world today, okay? I've mentioned recently about certain laws and things that are being presented in our nation right now that are cloaked with certain things but are targeted very clearly at Christians. One of the things that if you're not paying attention to is they're trying to put Christianity and Christians in this category of domestic terrorism, of extreme terrorist. And, and it's very subtle. They're, they're trying to label Christians as domestic terrorist um, because there's an agenda that's out there that wants to take away the fact that God made male and female, two genders. There's an agenda out there that wants to take away the fact that God created male and female to be married and to reproduce. There's an agenda out there that wants to completely destroy life even if it isn't right outside the womb. It doesn't matter if it's in the womb or outside the womb. There is this, this driving force that wants to eliminate God. We were, we were this weekend, Rochelle showed me something that was just completely, not shocking, but just disgusting. And Nike is making a shoe that's a demon shoe. A demon shoe. It has a pentagram on it. It has... Uh, you know, it's, it's just demonic. You can look later. You don't have to search it on your phone right now. But it's, it's real. They're, they're, they're doing this. And, and this force of evil is it's, it's not about politics or politician. It's not about those are all vessels. As Stephen was a vessel for God, there are vessels that the enemy uses for his purposes. And so we see this, 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 this threat coming against the church in our in our day and time and similar like the bullying frog there's a lot of things that are just slowly cooking and slowly happening in our culture and in our country and in the law and i was sitting we were sitting on uh, friday and just kind of reading scripture talking about scripture and and i said you know what's interesting is you know we think about our rights and we think about our constitution think about the amendments and stuff we talk about first amendment and second amendment and um you know there's a the big thing in the, the, the news now about the Second Amendment uh, with the, the, the shootings that have gone on and, and th this tried to come after the guns. And so I just want you to, to, to go with me just for a real quick second. If Christians are labeled terrorists or domestic terrorists as a threat and they pass this law to where they start trying to either buy back firearms or, you know, take them. Uh, it puts Christians in a very, very, very difficult place. 
Because while we may see what Jesus said, don't take this anymore, but sell this and, and, and take a sword. And, and while there's some Christians that believe that it's, it's, it's our responsibility to uh, defend our family and, and protect our, our family, uh, there's a very clear call in Scripture to be willing to lay down your life for the cause of Christ. So there's a difference between self-defense and persecution. And so if they label Christians as terrorists, and they do it under the guise of coming after guns, period, no matter if you're a Christian or not, and they find out you're a Christian, then what does it make us? It makes us persecuted, not defending evil. And so you say, well, man, that seems like it's so far off. And I pray it is. I pray that we don't see it in this generation, next generation, or the next generations. But it seems like there's just a movement toward, toward a legislative persecution any way possible for Christians. And so in, in our mind, in our hearts, in our lives, I believe we have got to be prepared for living through persecution as Christians. We've been on this rosy path of comfort and ease and convenience and living our lives and insulating us and striving for that. And last year going through, you know, 2020 the way that we did and, and longing for what? Longing for normalcy. And I just want to tell, tell you again, I just don't think we're going back. I think we're going forward. And I think that for us, we have got to have the mindset and the heart set that we're going to finish strong regardless of how comfortable our life is. Because it may get very, very, very uncomfortable. This first church saw the resurrection. They saw people healed. They saw the, you know, all of these amazing works of God. And they were faithful. They were, they were in church every day. They were, they were sacrificing and giving and selling possessions and giving. That, that, you, think about this. We're in church every day. We're selling things so that we can give more than we're tithing. We're, we're helping other people in, in the community and in the church. And, 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 and we're seeing miracles. I mean, that's like the ideal Christian in the ideal church, right? But what they experienced was not an overwhelming abundance of comfort and convenience and ease. What they got for being faithful to the Lord what they got for forgiving their all, what they got for pouring out their lives was a great persecution. A stoning, a death of a leader, again, this great persecution, displacement and dispersion. Think about that. Think about what happens if they come for us. If, if, if we become the domestic, if we become the persecuted church in America, if we are the people of God being persecuted, they're coming after us and we have to determine whether we're going to say, yes, we're a follower of Christ, or no, we're not. We've got we've to determine what we're going to do. And if they come and they say, well, we're going to kill you, we've got to determine, are we going to fight back? Are we going to be displaced? What are we going to do? They faced these things. They left their homes. They, they left their lives. They, well, what about their bank account? Did they grab their, their credit card and their wallets? And what about their, their technology stuff? What did they do? See, our minds go to so many different places. Their, their life was on the line, and they left their homes, their jobs, their family. They, they, they left all those things. And so that's why, church, I'm trying to say we need to stop 
focusing on so many things that we're focusing on as priority number one. And we need to start having this eternal, biblical, end-time mindset. They saw all of these things, experienced all these things. And the amazing thing is this. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. They didn't let up. They didn't go back. Look at verse 1. Again, it says, except the apostles, all of them had to leave. All of them were escaping death. But they continued to respond, believing and acting on what they knew was right and what they knew was true. Again, people were dying. People were, it says that Paul went from house to house, entering every house, and he was dragging off men and women. It wasn't just the men. The ladies were being dragged along too and taking them to prison and seeing many of them killed for their faith. You don't think people were hurting at this time? You don't think people were struggling at this time? Again, they lost their homes. They lost their lands. They lost their lifestyle. The way they knew their life, it was gone. It was over. It was never going to return to them ever again. As I studied this, what we're dealing with today, I thought, that was the first cancel culture. (laughs) That was the, that, that, the church faced the, the, they didn't want them sharing the gospel. They didn't want them having their church. They didn't want them living their lives like they didn't want that. So they began to try to snuff them out every way they could. There was no social media. There was no TV. There was no, you know, none of that stuff right then. So they literally tried to silence them by death and imprisonment. They weren't necessarily dealing with trying to cancel race or history of a nation, per se. They weren't trying to deal with canceling books or authors. They weren't trying to cancel political parties or anything like that. They were dealing with a direct assault to try to cancel Christ. The good news, the gospel. And as I said last week, if we don't snap out of the spiritual stupor that I think the church is in, if we don't stop just kind of going through the motions and living our day, day after day, if we don't snap out of this spiritual stupor as the people of God right now, and realize that the assault on Christianity has already begun, then I think it's going to overtake us like a tidal wave when it comes full force. And it'll be too late. Some today might have asked in that day, well, was it really all worth it? I mean, leaving your home and leaving your hometown and leaving your friends and leaving your job, I mean, what were you going to do? You know, couldn't you have just tried to get by and, and, and let just good enough be good enough? Maybe today, the people in today's culture, today's church, if we lived back then, maybe we would have thrown in the towel. But we're not told that any of them threw in the towel. We weren't given this example like we were given with Ananias and Sapphira. We weren't told that any of those in the first church that had made it to this point said, you know what, we're just going to kind of keep our peace. We're going to kind of keep our homes, our jobs. We're going to try to keep living our lives and, and, and be under the radar. Again, the church, it wasn't the pastors out there doing it, the apostles. It was the church members went everywhere preaching the word. The members did. They went every place that they were dispersed and they were preaching the gospel. They would not be canceled. They refused to be silenced and censored. 
I want us to understand this. We, we, we know this human life can be a struggle. It is a struggle. As Brother Sean was praying a while ago, there's so many people, even in our church, dealing with so many things. We know it is. And, and just because we're Christians, just because we have Jesus, just because we have an eternal life, doesn't mean it's any different for us. It's a struggle. Life can be a struggle. The reality is, is the more devoted that we become to Christ, the more that we give to Him, and the more that we're faithful to Him, the more of a struggle it can be. People say, well, I, I, my Christian life, over and over again, I've tried to rededicate. I've tried to, I've tried to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more committed. I'm going to be more faithful. And every time I do, it seems like there's just one thing after the other that comes against me. Absolutely. <laughs> the enemy wants to stop that. So we're going to be faithful. We're going to be there every single service. We are going to invite people. We're going to start tithing. We're going to start giving. We're going to start doing these things. Just watch. It's going to come. The attack, the discouragement, all those things are going to come. You try to start doing more for God. You try to be more faithful to the Lord. You try to be more of that servant. The struggle is going to be difficult. But understand this and know this from not only testimonies of people who have gone before, people who are experiencing right now, every single time, it is worth it. It's worth it. The faithfulness, the devotion, the sacrifice, the giving, it is all worth it when it's done with a sincere heart. Every time. We have to remember that just because there's opposition, just because there's a struggle or Things get hard in our life and, and our world is completely different from this point forward. We cannot let up. We cannot quit or anything else. The only thing that we have, our only option as the people of God is to press on until we reach the mark. To press on until we cross the finish line being in Jesus' presence. And so with all of this, 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 this context that we see in our scripture this example that we have in this first church, all the members didn't quit, they didn't give up, they didn't back off, they didn't fly under the radar, they didn't do any of those things, they kept pressing on, kept keeping the call. Our point this morning is this, the struggle doesn't negate the call. Just because your life gets hard, just because you say, I'm going to start inviting people, I'm going to start witnessing I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start being faithful to every service. I'm going to start doing this for God. I'm going to do it because he deserves my all. He deserves my faithfulness. He deserves my obedience. When you do that, know the struggle is going to get more difficult. But just because it becomes more of a struggle, it doesn't cancel out the call. It's still right. It's still, it's still what we should be doing. I, I, praise God, have not seen any of my friends or any of the church members that I've ever been in church with, I've never seen one of them stoned to death. Praise God for their faith. I've not seen one Christian be ran out of their home and dragged into prison. I've never seen that before. I, I've never seen... Not one church member, one friend that I've ever had in, 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 in Christianity, I've never seen anybody murdered for their faith. Has anybody in here? 
seems as if the persecution gave them more motivation. We've not seen one of those things. We've not experienced any of that. And yet, why are we not pressing in like with this urgency, like it has to happen? We have to continue. We have to share. I don't care if I'm an introvert. I don't care if I'm shy. I don't care if any of those things. I have a call. We all have a call. And just because it gets difficult for us on this earth, it doesn't cancel out the call. The call, the commission, the mission is to share the gospel with every person. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We must not allow anything to cancel or silence the call. Fear, convenience, time, busyness, preference, personality, anything that we throw out there, well, I just have a hard time. No, nothing is to cancel the call. We're here for one purpose, and that is at the pleasure of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're a child of God, the only reason why we're still walking on this earth is not to get jobs and promotions and, and live for us and build bigger things and get more stuff. We all do that, but that's not why we're here. We're here at his pleasure. Because at any moment, as it is appointed unto men, once to die, we could leave this earth. And then what? It's not about trying to make heaven here. It's not about trying to make this earth as close to heaven as we possibly can. It's about being faithful in the call and the mission right now because heaven is awaiting. We've got to get that in our mindset. And, I, and this is, again, what is concerning me is that the persecution is going to creep up, us, creep up on us as American Christians, and it's going to start to suffocate us and get a chokehold on us as Christians in America, and we're not going to know what to do because we're so intoxicated with comfort and pleasure and convenience. Living our own life, living for our own selves, it's going to creep up on us, and we're going to be like, what are we going to do? Let's just keep the peace. That's not our call. The commission to share the gospel isn't canceled. It can't be canceled. But many times we allow it to be canceled through our own silence. Through our own inactivity. Have you given a track to anybody recently? Have you... Have you invited somebody to church recently to hear the gospel? Have you personally shared the good news with somebody recently? As I said last week, if we're not doing that, when we have absolute freedom, what's, what makes us think that when it gets difficult or persecuted to be a Christian, that we're going to do it then? If I hand this card to somebody, they may turn me in. If I, if I invite this person and they find out about our church, they may try to raid our church. You know, what are we going to do if it gets to that? No matter how difficult obeying Christ is, no matter what it costs, nothing cancels the call to share the gospel with every creature. Matthew chapter 28. You know it well, many of you. It says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Jesus never said to share unless it gets difficult. He said, be faithful even when it is difficult and be rest assured that it'll be worth it in the end. Persecution disrupts and it often destroys comfort. 
That's what happened in that first church. They didn't have a lot of comfort already. They weren't worried about comfort. They were worried about glorifying Christ. We have to remember that comfort is the enemy of progress. And so if we're seeking that in our life, we're not going to move forward personally in our relationship with the Lord. We're not going to see the church, this church or his church, move forward for the kingdom. See, persecution changes the status quo. It forces a change in the status quo. We have to also remember that the status quo is the anchor to movement. When we're okay with just being okay, we are not going to move forward. We're not going to grow as an individual, as a child of God. We're not going to see the kingdom built. When we're just okay with just, look, I, I do my thing. I, I come, I show up, I give, I do this. Like, it's fine. No, 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 no. I believe one of the great victories the enemy has won in the American church is in the American Christian's home. Too many professing believers have become content with the status quo. That just enough is good enough. The least amount of effort, the least amount of sacrifice, the least amount of commitment to the church. And you know I'm not talking about being good enough for Christ. None of us are. Or being a good enough Christian. It's not about our own righteousness. But I believe a, a mindset has permeated and it's controlled. And we may not say it with our, our, our words. We may not think it consciously with our thoughts, but it's the way we live our lives. I'll show up occasionally and I'll tip my hat to God and then I'll go back to living my life for me. I'll help out in the church as it's convenient for me, but I won't do anything else, especially nothing that's going to impede my plans or that requires real sacrifice. It's hard to blame just the average church member, though, if the leaders in the church are doing the same bare minimum, what else could be expected? So I think in a large part is the 21st century church in America, we've stopped living in urgency for the king. We've stopped living with a passion for Jesus above all. We've allowed our lives to be built on this earth and that life we've built on this earth has become the definitions of our life, period. The struggles that we face in this life often push us further into that rut instead of pushing us closer to Christ. We're living our lives, we're building our lives, we're doing our thing, we go through a struggle, and we want to do more of what we want to do. It's almost like a drug so that we can get back to having our life the way we want it. Struggles aren't going away, and persecution may very well come in our life. The question is this, how will we respond? As I close, I want to give you some exhortation, just real quick, some encouragement this morning. If we're going to be victorious in this struggle, there's four things that we have to keep in mind, and I'm, I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I want to encourage you to read them when you, when you have time. Please don't just skip over them because they're very important. All points to this, number one, if we're going to be victorious in the struggle, we've got to have earnest effort. You, you never win by half, half trying. So if, if you're giving more effort to anything else other than trying to be obedient to Christ and follow him, then uh, it's, it's not full effort. The struggle calls for hard work. So, again, if we're going to see victory in the struggle as a Christian, as a, a person on this earth, we've got to have earnest effort. Second of all, 
We've got to put off what hinders, and that's what those scriptures say. We live in this consumer, comfort-oriented world, and, and it's become a tremendous hindrance. We've got to put off what hinders and just start living for the glory of Christ. Number three, singleness of mind, or in other words, eye on the goal. No runner wins a race by looking around them all the time while they're running. They keep their eye on the finish line, the eyes ahead. And fourth of all, pain or the struggle. The saying, the, the saying goes, no pain, no gain. If we're committed to our own comfort and pleasure above the needs of other and above God's call, then we're just not going to be able to follow the Lord whenever it gets painful. Again, we need to be challenged. Stephen was this leader. He wasn't a pastor. He was a member and he was, he was a leader in the church, but he wasn't the pastor of the church. He wasn't an elder in the church. He was an example then, still an example now of faithfulness. Again, I don't have time to read all these scriptures, but Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this, holding fast without wavering. It talks about not forsaking assembling. It talks about understanding what God has done and in a little while, it's going to be worth it. First Peter talks about submitting yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Chapter 5. What does it take for you to pull back or pull away? Just a little more difficulty? A little more discomfort? A little more pressure on your time? A little more stress at work? A little more family issues, a little more activities to fill your schedule. And that's you pull away. This first church believed in real time, in real faith, that Jesus was the head of the church. And they were family, brothers and sisters. The family of God, the building of God. And they were convinced and convicted that they had to stick together. That they had to remain faithful, especially as things got crazier. And I want to challenge you with that this morning. The struggle doesn't negate the call. And if things get worse and more difficult in our, in our world, we need to be already banded together. We already need to be pressing in to the Lord, all of us together, so that we can see that victory come. Life is a little bit crazy right now. It may get a lot crazier later. I want to encourage you, let's, as we enter in this resurrection celebration season, let's press into him, the one who's given us life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord, the challenge, the conviction that you give to us in your word, even as we see this morning, so many of us are, are saturated with living a life that the world says we have to live. And while we understand we do have responsibilities to take care of our families and we live in the world system Lord help us remember we're not supposed to be of this world help us to be living in accordance to your call and how that fits into this world we, we see that it doesn't fit in very well throughout the ages your people persecuted jailed killed still happening today and, and Lord again we have been so blessed help us not to be living our lives for us Help us to live according to your call and help us operate within that context. And if it means we lose everything, then we lose everything on this earth.
we know that we already have everything for all of eternity because of you. So Lord, help us strengthen our faith, challenge our hearts, our lives, help us not, not to allow the call to be silenced or negated. Lord, we praise you for what you do. Help us respond now in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as he sings.